I'm going to read you a piece now from the Tao Te Ching, which is the second most translated book in history after the Bible. And if you're not familiar with it, it's it was written by a philosopher, ancient Chinese philosopher called Lao Tzu over 2,500 years ago. They were careful as someone crossing an iced over stream, alert as a warrior in enemy territory, courteous as a guest, fluid as melting ice, shapeable as a block of wood, receptive as a valley, clear as a glass of water. Hi, my name's Michael and welcome to Today Dreamer, a podcast and YouTube channel that examines the interplay between inner work and outer work. Through conscious conversations and practical walkthroughs, we'll be exploring ideas and practices to help you find a deeper sense of clarity, develop your focus, and take meaningful action. I hope you love the show. Welcome to this episode of the Today Dreamer podcast. I'm going to be exploring Taoism with Casey Kochma. We're going to be talking about midlife teachings and some lessons to be learned in that passage and you know i've mentioned this in other conversations and it's been brought up a couple of times but you know this year 2020 has been definitely seems like a, a passage of sorts it can it can be really compared to a midlife passage in a sense so it's a moment of change and it's a moment of stepping into the unknown and um, almost like a birth of something new. Uh, so there's a lot of kind of emotions and feelings that comes with that. And, and I feel like Taoism, uh, uh, the teachings in Taoism, have some really potent lessons that can be utilized, especially, um, you know, they seem, they seem more relevant than ever during these chaotic times. So this was a great episode. We talk about Casey's journey, a little bit about his spiritual path and the idea of, you know, humanity's spiritual starvation in a way and how to, cons- I don't even know, refill your spirit. We're going to be talking about, we, we, talk, we touch on shamanism and this, the idea of Tao and, and moving with the flow of things has really been something I've been looking into lately within my own life. And I thought it would be a great thing to share with you guys. So hopefully you get something out of this chat. Uh, Before we move into the episode though, I'd like to invite you into a moment with me, into a breath where we can maybe just step away from everything that's going on in in our outside world and, and maybe come inwards a little bit more and just take a breath together, you know, just, just be together in this moment. So all it's going to take is is a is a real slow deep inhale into the nose into the belly and allow yourself to kind of sit with the moment and then release everything through the nose just as slowly and gradually as you've kind of taken the breath in and then we'll get into the conversation together so uh, yeah inviting you to do that with me now so just slowly let your eyes close and take a deep inhale into your nose. And once you hit the peak of that inhalation, just be with it for a moment.
for exhaling. Coming into this this new moment together. So here's the chat with Casey. The, the other spiritual island. That looks like a nice place. And that would be an interesting yeah. place to kind of check out at some point. Yeah. But Kauai is much smaller and <sighs> Hawaii was a conquered country. And it isn't people when they think it's the United States, it is the United States, but it was actually illegally conquered. And the statehood wasn't quite done legally either, it turns out. And so when you hear, you have to respect the fact that it isn't the United States. It's a country with a very different history, a very different, long, robust history. And now it's kind of merged in the United States, but it's still something separate. Mm. And so it's a very different place as a result. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It certainly felt very different. And um, yeah, in a lot of ways, I felt like I was able to breathe a deeper breath there, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm sure there's an amazing natural sections of of um of the u.s that are worth exploring as well oh yeah the redwoods up in california amazing place and you know the four corners there's so many beautiful areas in all around the world i mean let's be honest so <laughs> so but a lot of that has been touched and the fires around the world and the changing reality of what's up ahead what we had before isn't what we have up ahead unfortunately so we're we're doing our best to try to save what we have here, but one day at a time. Yeah, it's almost this sense of, you know, like, you know, the change change is always happening. And um, it, it seems like the natural world is kind of, I, I mean, it, it's, it seems like no matter what happens, this is just my perspective, but, but it feels like there'll be some regeneration that takes place at some point. Um, you know, even if that's, you know, too far in the future to even see. But at the moment, it, it's quite sad because I just think of my son and I just think of kind of future generations not being able to experience some of the wondrous things that I have because it's slipping out of our fingers. It's something I've been teaching for 20 years now. And back in the 90s, I saw the patterns. And so I actually teach people how to deal with this type of transformation. Ironically, most people that's not something that they're interested in, but in helping people transform, I also help them live in a better way, which then opens up the other teachings. And part of why I started 20 years ago was to teach kindness as my way to stop the profit-based capitalistic society from destroying the last of what we had. We have a chance to make something new, but what we had behind is gone. There is a chance to evolve. There's a chance to work together. Um, 2020 is an interesting year because why I've been telling people for 20 years, well, 2020 is finally the first year where people are actually believing me. And all my students are coming back going, oh my God, this was nothing. I'm like, yeah, because I've been preparing you for it for the last five years. But people are now beginning to listen. But 2020 is not a bad year. Everyone's thinking 2020 is the worst year ever and 2020 is still nothing. Mm -hmm. 2020 is still prep work. It's just training wheels that will help us understand what's up ahead. So the interesting thing about 2020 is, it's training wheels. And we can use it to learn and grow and improve our lifestyles, improve how we work with each other, to build community, to actually do more work to improve 
nature again or help save nature. But this is just training wheels. 2024, 2026, it's going to be really crazy, quite honestly. <laughs> and so we have four years to pull it together. And I've been patiently waiting for this because until people are ready, they're not ready. And you can't force people to actually change until they're ready. So at least 2020 is beginning to wake people up. But we still have a ways to go. Yeah, certainly. It seems like things are kind of speeding up exponentially and and it will continue to do so and and because of these kind of feedback loops that kind of build on themselves and and really accelerate things with with a lot of momentum behind them so if that's the case um you know it, it seems as though with what you, the reason you started your work and this connection back to nature has has some pretty interesting links um, because I, I feel as though as people deepen their connection to the natural world, some of these changes kind of begin to come about more naturally. And like you said, people aren't ready till they're ready. Is there, mm -hmm. how much of your work kind of connects people with the natural world and, and um, with kind of, with other beings and with themselves? All of it. I teach transformation. Um, for instance, if I'm helping a lot of the work we do, let's say 60% of the work we do is um, relationship work, where we're helping people save a relationship or get over a broken relationship. And if your relationship is broken, that's something people are willing to come to a teacher to fix. Mm -hmm. So that's where we teach. So now when we're fixing the relationship, we're also teaching you how to live more lightly. We're teaching you how to live more with awareness. We're teaching you how to remove out the issues or challenges which help break apart the relationship. We help you improve communication and reconnect to others. We teach kindness, modesty, and non-judgment. So all these teachings are repeatable. And ironically, the very same teachings you use to save a relationship are going to be the very same teachings that save the world, save the mother nature. They don't look the same because you're applying it a little differently, but the core teachings behind it are the same. Mm -hmm. And so ironically, when I work with a person in that transformation, in that challenge, they're like, oh my God, that worked. And I'm like, yes. And then I show them why it worked. And then we go and hit the next challenge. And then it works for that challenge. And they go, oh, that worked too. And they're like, yeah. And then you show them it's the same teaching. And they go, oh my God, it is the same thing. And then the next thing you know, they're living a more holistic life. They're living a simpler life. Their conflict has been removed. The judgments have been removed. So now they can begin community can now begin to be reestablished because without community we can't face what's up ahead so it's all interconnected yeah that's that's fascinating to me how the the interconnectedness of lessons between different kind of areas i guess you know i found mm -hmm. i found interesting connections between a lot of different kind of seemingly unrelated areas in my life you know whether it's music um like you said relationships things that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, lessons that just kind of hit me out of nowhere. And then I realized, you know, this has an application in many different areas in my life. And, and it's it mm -hmm. seems to be, like you said, interconnected. And I find that fascinating. I, I really do. Um, when, when you're talking about um, relationships, I know you've also got uh, a focus on midlife and uh, mm -hmm. this kind of transformative passage. And I also find and I find an interesting link between this passage that we're all collectively going through and this area of focus um, that you have on midlife because it seems, again, interconnected. It is. Midlife is transformation. Midlife is this awakening point for a person to be an elder. 
And it's the natural transformation point. The trouble is our culture trains people to go through midlife by spinning back around back in the old life, which wasn't serving them. And it turns out about 15% of midlife souls will go through a bigger change. But the average person in midlife, rather than changing, gets circled back around into the old life. Now, if the old life was a destructive life, you're not going to do very well with that. So there is a lot of work to be done at midlife to improve your life. It doesn't have to be a crisis. It can be a transformation. Mm. And so we do a lot of work in midlife crisis slash transformation. And in Taoism, which we teach, we teach shamanism and Taoism also and meditation. Um, Taoism kind of takes over at that point. In China, there's the saying, you work as a Confucius, you retire as a Taoist, and you die as a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. And that shows the 40-year life cycle. Every 40 years, we change into another major stage of life. And in China, that stage of becoming an elder is where Taoism kicks into play. So Taoism teaches you a lot about how to transform. It's got a lot of teachings how to take over the story. And rather than living the story that's been given to you, to take control of the narrative mm-hmm. and then to improve it. So what's happening with our culture is the culture is a midlife crisis. The culture is at a transformation point too. And so as the culture begins to break apart, it's causing people to wake up. Because they have to, because instead of following the lead of the culture, as the culture gets disrupted by 2020, by the pandemic, by a thousand other things, people are going to realize, oh, well, I took for granted what the flow of the culture isn't going to sustain me anymore. So ironically, the midlife transformation of the culture is going to force a lot of people into awakening where they have to reevaluate the story, reevaluate their very lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But again, when people are in the culture, they don't want to think about that. So I couldn't tackle that style of teaching until more recently. But now that the culture is now having issues, now people are more willing to see, oh, what can I do to improve things? How can I change? Yeah. So midlife is a very powerful point in coming into your story, changing the narrative into one that's more interconnected and more empowered rather than just following the story given to you. So... And just for people out there, I know everyone's at a different stage in their journey and, you know, there is this kind of process that we that we all go through. Uh, but is are there some kind of, I mean, common patterns or something people can maybe sink their teeth into if they're listening at home to kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, step into this and, and take take this opportunity for change for all that it is and, and be able to kind of reevaluate their story. Is Are there any things that you could share, maybe some um, common practices or some useful kind of advice in that area? Mm-hmm. Okay, there is quite a bit. Rule number one, if you have a conflict, there means there's a judgment behind a conflict. When you are feeling conflict, that means most people will actually look outward and attack what the conflict is. Okay. Ironically, the first step you should do is turn inward to look at the judgment and ask yourself, can I release the judgment? Mm-hmm. And if you release the judgment, you can release 90% of the conflict and you can pick and choose the conflict you want to engage rather than making everything a conflict. So one of the traps in midlife or the challenges is people try to do too much. They try to change too much. They try to take on too much. And because of the bigger problems, then you feel like, oh my God, I can't do anything. Because most people look outward rather than inward. And when you look outward, what do you see? Look at the fires in Australia. You know, that 
is a hundred one in a hundred year event, which is no longer a one hundred year event. It happened in California too, this a few months ago. Mm -hmm. But look at how disempowering that was to the average person to watch those blazes go across where you couldn't do anything. And that moment, a lot of people got disempowered because they didn't feel necessarily they could do something because it's so much bigger than them. But in reality, if you look inward, you can see, wait a minute, the way I'm living is fueling that fire. If I begin to slow down, if I consume less fossil fuels, if I live in a simpler, more modest way, I'm actually helping undo that. So it turns out a lot of conflict people feel you could pause, re-examine it with non-judgment and find more efficient solutions to the challenge that you're facing. So the first thing you do is if you feel conflict, look at the judgment and release the judgment and find a different path around that. Another thing you could do is simplify. And the number one things to do at midlife or at crisis point, pause. Because the crisis has momentum. And so that momentum will overwhelm you. So again, the first step to do is step out from the momentum overwhelming you. So right now with all these large fires, all these large events, the average person is going to feel overwhelmed and in that overwhelm, they're just going to be tumbled along. They're going to give up their action because they're going to be tumbled with the actions around them. So the first thing you do is live a little bit more modest life, drop out of that main flow as you watch the stuff go past you, then go, wait a minute here. And if you get pulled in, you ask, whatever's pulling in, you can release. So if it's your lifestyle that's pulling you back in, you could simplify your lifestyle and you could rebalance it to be more effective. So simplification is a huge thing you could do that allows you to buy the time, the awareness, and new connections to actually change things up. Another thing you can do at this stage, connections. In modern culture, Western society has disconnected people from each other. And being disconnected, we've lost. There's a saying from Benjamin Franklin at the United States Foundation, united we stand, divided we fall. Mm -hmm. If the 13 states didn't stand united, they wouldn't have been able to become an independent nation from England. Our culture over the last 100 years has divided everyone for economic gain. And in being divided, we no longer work with each other. And look at what the divisiveness has done in the United States. It's literally destroying the country. So the way around that is to come back together. And so again, creating new communities. You know, a lot of these communities aren't necessarily communities, rather they're more support systems just to keep people living isolated. Hmm. So again, finding the communities that really support you for your heart, who you want to be, and reconnecting in community is a powerful thing to do right now. And people don't realize how disconnected they might be. And so reconnecting, big thing. Exercise, awareness, meditation, all those activities, again, if your average exercise is to, at the end of your hard day, to go watch a TV show and meditate and watch that show, you're slowly decaying. If you go out and you actually take care of yourself, eat a little bit better, exercise a little bit more, it gives you more energy. It allows you to heal and get more whole. So part of the process is becoming whole. To become whole is healing. Healing by definition is wholeness. And so we don't see in our lifestyle all the little places where we've actually broken ourselves up from our lifestyle. So part of the thing you can do is revisit your lifestyle in a way that lets you be whole again.
And if you think about it, everything I said before is actually steps to wholeness, working towards community, slowing down and pausing to disconnect from things breaking apart. So there's quite a bit you can do. Yeah. It seems like the pausing is quite an important one. It's one I definitely focus on, you know, through our conversations and just looking at ways to find that state of stillness within us, different practices and mm -hmm. techniques and just different ways of thinking about it. Um, but I, I feel as though once we can do that, then it allows us to kind of reflect on those, maybe making those micro adjustments in other areas or even bigger adjustments mm -hmm. to our lives so that we can then, you know, come into a path, path that's, you know, more united and, and, you know, steps more into collaboration rather than competition. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and yes, pause by way is a major teaching. Learning pause is a central part of the teaching. Mm. And it takes you into a hundred other deeper practices if you learn to pause. Pause mm. is neutral that allows you to disengage. It's like a clutch. Without neutral, without the clutch, you would burn out your manual engine. And people don't live with a clutch in their life. And so they burn themselves out without the pause. So reintroducing the pause, this allows you to clutch, allows you to change up the gears so you don't strip yourself down into burnout. Mm, that's, an, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Do you have any specific techniques around how to pause or do, do you incorporate um, different techniques within your own life or teach your students <laughs> things? I'm sure you have many. Um, we teach quite a bit. <laughs> uh, the teachings go deeper than people realize. Mm. But the funny thing is the core teachings are really simple. Mm. Um, Homo sapiens like things complicated. So it turns out the average person likes to be given a complicated package. And the more complicated you make it, the more they think it's powerful, the more mm. they think it's impressive. And in truth, a lot of stuff you can learn in five seconds. And then if you practice it, it keeps expanding outward. So the simple truth of the pausing is all you need to do is literally breathe in, recenter, and allow that breath, that calming action of the breath, center and pause you. And then open up your awareness to connect with what your awareness leads you into. Mm -hmm. So the real simple truth is pause is actually really simple to learn. There are a lot of techniques that you can teach that, well, you could drum and then the drumming will alter your brain state waves. And then that changing of brain state waves will allow you to pause. A lot of the meditation techniques thousands and thousands and thousands of meditation techniques and the funny thing is meditation is a process of awareness it isn't <laughs> the funny thing is people think meditation is to be quiet or they think it's to achieve a certain brain state those are actually ways to achieve the meditation and then there was the state of awareness awareness is generic so when you pause it allows you to be aware again so ironically there are thousands of techniques of meditation what changes from technique to technique is how do you achieve the awareness? And then what are you using the awareness for? Mm. Now, some of those techniques complicated, could take decades to learn. And some of the techniques are really simple. The truth is pause is always a gateway. So all you have to do, breathe, center, and then work with that. Now, you can't pause if you're too busy. If your mind is spinning in judgment and you're like in fight mode, you're not going to pause because your instincts are saying fight. And you can't pause because you're geared up to fight. The average person in Western culture is taught to give how much, my friend? It's a saying. Taught to give how much? To, yeah. Taught to give it We're all? Taught to give it our all, yeah. right? Mm. We're taught to give 125%. 
But think about that. If you've been taught to give it 125% or give it your all, you'll never pause. You can't because you've never been taught to stop. And that's a fundamental problem is the culture has taught people to be consumed. They, the culture has taught you to burn out and then the culture moves on to your child and then the next person, mm. the next person. It's a consumer culture. A consumer culture consumes you, which means you've been taught never to pause because you are now a resource to burn out. And the real reason most people can't is to go, and right now I'm standing by the river, watching the river flow. I'm not here on the call with you. Part of me is, but part of me right now is really by the ocean now. And I'm watching the ocean. Part of my consciousness is here, part of my consciousness is there. Did it like that, not hard at all. Now, someone looking in says, no, Casey's there. He's not at the ocean. Ironically, no. To pause is literally just to disengage your consciousness, your intellect, your thinking, that spinning of the wheel. It's just not very hard to do, quite honestly. It's hard if you've never been taught to stop. So my friend right now, take your hand and just put it on your heart. Breathe in and breathe out. Take a second and let a memory come to you. This is a fun moment. Come back to the big island for a second. Breathe in, breathe out and share the memory of the big island. I remember going through a tunnel and I went down this amazing water slide that I was exploring with a friend of mine and it was one of the most adventurous things I'd ever done. And it was... Now, go back to the tunnel, mm. go back to the inhalation of breath mm. when you went, when you expanded all out, mm. breathe it in, close your eyes and be there right now. And do you feel it? Hmm. Now feel that and let it just fill you up for a second. That's pause. And what did pause allow you to do? It allowed us to disengage from this conversation and allowed you to go back three years in the past hmm. in a moment where your breath was went, whoa. Hmm. And allowed you to go back in that moment and relax. Was that hard to do actually? It wasn't difficult and it was really quick as well. It, it doesn't, um, it was simple and, it, and point. it happened straight away. So that's interesting. Mm. That's my point. It's actually incredibly simple. Now we cheated. How did we cheat? I was holding space for you. Mm. And holding space, you felt safe enough to open up. Mm. And in our conversation, because our conversation made you feel safe, you actually let go, even in the middle of doing a production, you were relaxed enough to pause with me. Hmm. And in that moment, you were back in Hawaii in addition to doing this production right now. And it literally was simply as pause. And see, when you try to describe that in a writing, it doesn't work because it's a state of mind. And what triggers the state of mind will 
change in situation to situation. And as you learn to do it, you learn to change it up depending on what you're facing. Mm. So if I were to give you a piece of writing to do that very same exercise, it wouldn't have worked. Because you, were, you would be, this is stupid. I can't do this. I have to finish this production right now. And so the momentum of the production would have prevented you from pausing. It wasn't until I gave you permission to disengage from the production to take a moment for yourself. And in that moment of permission, which I held space for you, allowed you to pause. Mm-hmm. Was that difficult now? Definitely wasn't difficult at all. Um, and it, yeah, yeah it, it's nice, the idea of holding space for one another. And, and that's almost, I see that as, as some kind of a gift that we're, that we're providing mm-hmm you know, to allow, because sometimes mm-hmm. it can be quite difficult to see certain things or to, to reach certain states um, or to even mm-hmm. just kind of allow ourselves to, you know, return to, to states um, on our own. And helping one another exactly. is, is a big part of that, I feel. So now think about if the average person has been taught to give it 125%, mm. are they going to believe that you could do this simply? No. They're going to want a complicated technique that takes them 125% to get them to that same place of pause. Mm, that makes sense. Because that's what they've been trained to think to do. Mm. We're always looking, I guess, for techniques, different ways of doing things, complexity, um, and we feel as though that kind of um, gives it a bit more substance or that gives it a bit of the authority or worth kind of following. Exactly. The simple, yeah, the simple things are worth kind of not skipping over or maybe returning to and 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 that brings Taoism to mind and Mm -hmm. um would you be able to speak to me a little bit around um maybe the catalyst for your decision to move into Taoism and maybe around what it is exactly for those of those people out there that don't know and myself as well just for a bit more of further clarification so I've always been a Taoist. So what brought me into it? Life. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, I've always lived in a very Taoist way. My dad was a country doctor. He taught me how to be a healer. He also was very much a person who believed in free will and freedom. So I was given unprecedented freedom for my age to, and I grew up in the 60s and 70s to boot, which helped a little bit. Um, but the fact of the matter is I was allowed to be independent. And so this is a teaching I was steeped in from a long, small, small boy. And then as I grew older, so my first teacher, I always say it's the river because the river, I would just spend all my time at the river and this being in the flows of the river and watching summer and winter and the flows of life. So for me, that is my first Taoist teacher is the river and the stream and this living in the woods. And then when I was a little older uh, adolescent, then I discovered Taoist teachings. And I looked at the Taoist teaching and go, oh, that's what it's called, Mm. called Taoism. And so I just live it. Now, if you were to ask what Taoism is, Taoism is several different things, okay? Taoism, first and foremost, is a practice that teaches you how to be in your story. It teaches you how to be in control of your humanity. And so there's a lot of techniques, and a lot of teachings, teaching a person how to empower themselves to be truly themselves. And so that's a good part of Taoist teaching right there. Another segment of Taoism is Taoism originally evolved out of shamanic practices and evolved 
inside of China as China became a nation state and became more repressive. So there's a lot of teachings in Taoism that keeps people alive through repression, which is why Taoism is getting really, really popular now because there's a lot of repression happening around the world. And so since Taoist teachings have a lot of teachings to help you survive repression, it's calling to people right now. What, what happened in China, just out of curiosity? Is... Oh, China, <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. around 250 BC, the Yellow Emperor united the five countries of China into a single country. And that process of uniting the five countries into one was very brutal, very, very dictatorial, it formed legalism, which was the most repressive government known to man. Um, 30 religions got condensed down into three, millions of people ended up being toasted. Um, not a fun period of history. And Taoism was one of the three religions which survived. And as practitioners, they helped people co-evolve in what the way China then became that emperor slash communist state of the modern times. Mm all of which very, very um, regimented, very much were the top down. So the Taoist teachings very much helped keep people alive through that style of repression, unfortunately. So you can see the significance um, of them right now then. Yes. Hmm. And there's a lot of weird stuff happening with China. Again, it's going through another brutal period. It was suppressing Tibet. It's suppressing its own Uyghur population. Um, there's a lot. No, China's going down an interesting path right now. And so anyway, so Taoism is a very practical teaching for how to live in society where society doesn't necessarily look out for you. To understand what it is to be a person, we have instincts, which makes us an animal. We have stories, which makes us a human being. And we also are social beings. We give up part of our power to fit in. So if we look at a person, Part of you is individual and part of you is social. Hmm. And that means there's a conflict between the social side and the individual side. Some people are more individual, some people are more social. And so there's a conflict between the social stories and the individual stories. And Taoism teaches you how to navigate that conflict. And it's actually a very serious thing because when you disrupt the social stories, you get killed. What happened to Martin Luther King killed. Mm -hmm. What happens to someone in China who speaks up too much, disappeared and killed. Um, society does not take a happy face when you try to change it. The interesting thing about society is it is a form of life. It is reactive. It will fight to keep itself alive. And so we're living in this construct which maintains itself. And we have to be aware of that. And so we're living at a pivot point of history where society is changing again. So it's really important because what a lot of people are going to do is they're going to hunker down. And if you hunker down, what are you going to get? Not what you build because you're doing nothing. If you do nothing, you get nothing. And if you hunker down during repression, repression is just going to get bigger. That's a problem. And that's why we're seeing all the fear tactics right now. That's why we're seeing all the nationalism because that's happening to suppress individuality so those systems can stay alive at our expense. That's a challenge. And so there is a balance that we need to navigate between the social conventions and the individual conventions. And that's a challenge that we need to navigate. Everyone's gonna have a different place in that.
Hmm. And I help people navigate that difference. Because if you're more social, you need to react to very, this process very differently than if you're more individualistic. And if you're more individualistic, trying to change, you have to be very aware. That's a very serious process and you need to be really careful to fight the fights that matter. Because our culture teaches us to make everything a fight. If you make everything a fight, you've lost. Hmm. You have to be really smart to fight relative to your essence and what matters to you. For a lot of people, what matters to them is their family or what matters to them is something smaller. So then you have to be aware of that. So anyway, it's a complicated process now when you look at Taoism relative to the social versus the individual. That's a deeper, that's, we could spend weeks on that one. The other thing that Taoism is all about is spirituality because we are spiritual beings. We're physical, we're story and spirit, body, mind, spirit, okay? And most people mainly live in the physical essence. But Taoism teaches you how to both live in the mind, that's changing our story, and teaches us how to work with our spirit. So it teaches us how to evolve into a spiritual being also. So there are a lot of Taoist teachings on how to be a spiritual being, how to explore the world of spirit, and how to use that to enrich our lives. So there are a lot of good spiritual teachings in Taoism too. And a lot of those spiritual teachings are very shamanic in nature since Taoism roots back to shamanism. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize there was a link there, but it makes sense um, now that I think about it. Um, in regards if you, what were you going to say? So, you know, if you talk to a lot of modern Taoists, they don't see the link anymore. Taoism is thousands of years old. Hmm. The shamanic link is old. So if you look at people who are focusing in the mid-era practices, they won't see the link either because they're so focused on the lineage, which is based on a construct, which is now change. Over 4,000 years, there's a lot of room, a lot of lineages, a lot of changes. Does that make sense? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to point no, out no, no. everyone will see the shamanic link. Yeah, I, I think that there's a shamanic link in, in, in almost all kind of practices uh, spiritually. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of links back to shamanism, and it seems to be one of the... Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I thought there might have been one that was older. I've read something about it, but um, it seems there to is, be like... Believe it or not. Shamanism, and I'll give you an example. The Australian Aboriginal culture mm. has been documented to be 50,000 years old. Mm. It's the longest continuous culture on the planet. And that is a shamanic culture. Now that shamanic culture didn't come out of nowhere. In other words, the core shamanic culture came out somewhere in Asia and moved in several different areas. So that core shamanic culture went to Australia and became the Aboriginal practice of 50,000 years. That core shamanic origin went into Mongolia and became the eternal blue sky practice that the Mongols practice. That core shamanic practice went over the land bridge into the Americas and became the various shamanic practices of the Americas. And that core shamanic practice went into China and evolved into Taoism. What's really interesting is when I go into North America and I spend time with my Native American friends and stuff like that, it's like meeting an old relative because the practices are similar mm. because you can see they share roots. You mm. can feel it in the teachings. Mm. And when I, I know Taoist masters and practitioners who come from China and they love going into the Native American cult, um, culture and ceremonies because while they're different, you can see they're related too. I'm, I think so you, you can, can say that. You could say that. Uh, you know, if you, there's links between all indigenous cultures, I feel, and there's these mm -hmm. these commonalities that that are quite striking. It's quite strange, but there's real deep truth within their their lessons um, that I mm -hmm. think that you know, it, 
being open enough to that in today's world, it could really do us some good to to maybe go back to some of that wisdom and 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 you know absorb some of that um, because it's been going on for thousands of years, and in a lot of the sense yep. we're quite we're, we're pretty new and pretty young at the moment in this state. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And people are spiritually starved. Their spiritual side is so diminished that one of the biggest bangs for your buck, so in transformation work, lots of times when people come to me, mm. we help teach them meditation, we help teach them how to see spirit, because in refilling their spiritual side, it balances them out to be more centered and see things more clearly. Mm -hmm. And so lots of times, one of the first steps you do is you help people reconnect to what they find spirituality is. And this is how you know that spirit's got three definitions, and the two first definitions are the motion of your life and the connections to your life. So when I'm helping people do exercise and move, that's helping them connect back to their spirit. When I'm helping them rebuild a community, it's helping them reconnect to spirit. And so ironically, a lot of the work in transformation is spiritual work in just getting a person to move more smoothly and cleanly and connect more robustly around them. Hmm. What fascinates me about Taoism and, and like I said, I'm no expert on this in this area, and this is probably part of the reason I wanted to get in touch and kind of explore it a little bit deeper with with yourself, Casey. Is mm -hmm. is this idea of kind of um, flowing with things? That's this is what it seems like to me, anyways. It seems like mm -hmm. there's this there's this kind of concept or this idea of of flowing with what is taking place mm -hmm. and 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 syncing up in rhythm with with um you know the the energies of what's happening rather than you know trying to fight it or um, mm -hmm. kind of getting into this kind of struggle of control or power. Um, could you speak a little bit about that? And does that kind of touch on any yeah. anything to do with Taoism? Taoist teaching. Yeah. Oh, flow and Taoism go hand in hand. Yeah. And in fact, Tao, one of the definitions of Tao is the path and the flow through the path. Mm. That's actually one of the definitions of Tao even. So let me give you an example. When, let's give a physical example. If I'm in the middle of the road and I see a car coming down the hill and the driver is in the car, the drive, the car is just coming down. That car is not in control, but it's got flow to it. It's got momentum, right? Mm. So now if I see that car heading down the hill, am I going to jump in front of the car to try to stop it? No, mm. because that car will smack me and run me over. Mm. So what am I going to do? I'm going to jump to the side and let the car's flow go through. Now, if, if possible, maybe you can jump in to change the car's direction, but those are optional. You're not going to stop the car by jumping in front of it because it's just going to go over you. Mm -hmm. So that's physical flow. Now, look at this. Taoism is story management. A story is no different. A story's got flow. If you see a person who's angry and they're angry and they attack, right? There's flow in the anger. Are you going to jump in front of that person to stop them necessarily? Not necessarily. In other words, you're going to work with the flow of their anger to diffuse it and then step in, unless there was a critical reason to stand in front of the anger. Say they're getting angry in front of a baby. Then you jump in to protect the baby and then you redirect the flow again, like with a martial arts move to redirect the flow around it. So in Taoism, there's flow and motion and momentum in physical world, our physical stories, in our story stories, and in our spiritual practices. There's flow in all three. And we have to learn how to work with all three if we're going to write and navigate our own life. 
Mm. So for instance, if you're living isolated, that means your flow has been interrupted. It means your spiritual flow has been interrupted. If you're living in a box in the middle of nowhere and you're afraid of doing anything, your spirituality has been disconnected from you. And now your flow has stagnated so you can't do anything. The first thing you have to do is reconnect that person to spirit, others, nature, whatever, can reconnect them, which will build up momentum in their life to begin doing something. Hmm. Look at our cultural story right now. The world is a big engine that's out of control, right? If we jump in to take that engine out, what's going to happen? Crunch, boom, right? However, what happens if we jump out of the engine? Why if a million people stop giving energy to that consumption loop? Then it slows down. And why if more and more people begin doing that? We interrupt the momentum of that negative social story, which changes everything. Look at the United States. Right now, that racism story has so much momentum. Hundreds of years of racism built into the American culture that right now is grinding the country apart. And what are people doing? They're saying no more. They're saying this is not my America. Diversity, they're beginning to come together. And they're jumping out of the negative part of the flow and they're beginning to build a new flow. So yeah, so it's a lot of work with flow and momentum. And there's flow and momentum in stories, there's flow and momentum in how we connect with each other, and there's also physical flow. It, you know, just our culture grinding away. There's so much momentum in this keeping it all going mm. that we don't necessarily see that. But in Taoism, we teach you to work with it all. Mm. Did that make sense for an answer? Yeah, that was a great answer, actually. <laughs> it was quite... um. Yeah, it was a beautiful answer. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It it definitely helps me get a better idea of how the how flow kind of connects into things and and how it's an essential part of Taoism. I feel as though it's um there seems to be like everything that we've been talking about throughout this conversation this this tuning in process whether that's, you know, connecting to spirit more deeply through community or through taking that pause that we mentioned and and kind of mm -hmm. um you know reconnecting to our breath. Um, to that kind of leads into then, you know, once you're tuned in to kind of syncing with the rhythm of things and, and learning to move and flow with things. And then um, I'm just kind of thinking of things in terms of vibration because it's been an area of my focus recently. And then I guess finding a way to kind of radiate that outward so that you're of some kind of a service or you can facilitate or accelerate that new story coming into birth. Um, mm -hmm. so do you have any ideas just, just kind of, um, in a sense, a point that I really wanted to touch on before, you know, letting you go and, and I really appreciate, um, everything you've shared. Do you have any ideas mm -hmm. on vibration and, um, thoughts on just how you see, how you see vibration and, and, and vibrational energy? Okay. Let's start with a simple example. Imagine there's a spider web in front of you. Hmm. Okay, and the spider is at the center. When a bug lands in the web, what happens? Gets stuck. And but when the bug gets stuck, it vibrates, and then the spider reacts to the vibration. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in that web, vibration is a communication medium. Now let's look at this a little bit in a realistic way. Um, all around us spirit interconnects us it is 
an amorphous word that we use to mean multiple things. So one of the things we use it to mean is motion. One of the things we use it to mean is connection. So let's look at that second definition. If we're connected through spirit, and we are, when someone cries, you feel it in your heart. When someone's happy, you smile. There's a connection. And that connection is more prevalent than people realize. I'll give you an example. I was walking home one night in San Francisco at 1 a.m. And as I'm walking home, I'm with my nephew. And I stopped. And in the back of my neck, I could feel it. I was being followed. Mm. I didn't see anyone following me. I didn't look behind me. So I had it wasn't a sense of a traditional sense. It's the weave of spirit around us. But I could feel it. I was being followed. And I said, Jason, we need to cross the road right here. And he's like, why? I said, just watch. This is going to be interesting. And I crossed the road in the middle because I knew if I did an unexpected event, my unexpected event would tug along, create a vibration, which would pull that person along because it would be an unexpected vibration, they would react to it. Mm. So by doing something totally unexpected, that would set a vibration back to that other person and would expose them, quite honestly. Sure enough, when I did that unexpected action, that person jumps out and begins running after us, going, ah, right? Because he was going to mug us. But because I pulled him out two blocks before he could mug me, I just laughed and go, yeah, have fun, guy, and just walked away from him. Mm. And my nephew's like, how the hell did he know? I'm like, don't even ask. You don't want to know. Because most people don't see the world in this interconnected way of weave. But it's present. And we are all connected. And we can feel those tugs. That's vibration. And that's why we use the word vibration so much. Because in that weave, we can feel the vibrations of those tugs. And you could train yourself in martial arts. You know, I did Kung Fu for many years. And you could feel the vibrations. It's one night, day I'm walking. And I could feel, oh my God, that person's going to throw something at that person. I didn't see anything. I just saw that person gearing up. I saw another person gearing up. I'm like, oh, fuck. I literally just went under. And as I went under, all of a sudden, a bottle goes flying over my head as they got in the fight. And I just walked away. But I could feel that vibration of the interaction. It seems like there's a sense the of is, a, a feeling there that you're tapping into, a sense of instinct. Well, you're creating it into a sense. Yeah. You can actually create senses. We don't have five senses. We have 25 physical senses. We have 25 intellectual senses. We have 25 spiritual senses. We actually have more, by the way. And you could train new senses. So for instance, I train a lot of my students, for instance, if you're allergic to something, I train them how to sense the allergy of the allergen before it gets bad. Mm. You can sense anxiety, for instance. So you can literally create a sense of anxiety so when your anxiety begins to build up, you go, wait a minute, why am I anxious to pause and look at what's triggering your anxiety and get a control of it? Likewise, you could create a sense of anger. When you feel your anger beginning to boil up, you could cut it off before it creates a problem. These are just you practices. Create a sense of frustration. Just repetitive These practice. practices. Mm -hmm. You can create new senses based on emotional states, feelings, even spiritual senses. Mm to feel those ripples and then you can work with it. Yeah, it comes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, those trigger points in your life and just maybe recognizing what's actually triggering you, what's 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 setting you into conflict. And then maybe once that recognition can take place, then you can I've done it before, kind of trained myself to see certain thoughts and then to 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 accept them, feel into them, but also to to, to kind of move out of them rather than kind of get caught in that repetitive loop in my mind. So 
vibration is an interesting word because we use it to mean many different things. Yeah, it is interesting. But mm -hmm. notice how I gave you the spider example first. Yeah. And the vibration is a sense the spider uses to detect the world through. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand that word vibration is actually a perceptual word. Vibration means we're connected. And so when a vibration happens, we can use it to perceive the world through it. And if we could perceive the world through it, we could even vibrate ourselves to transmit information back to someone else. Mm -hmm. For instance, if I appear angry, I'm vibrating that anger out and people will give me space. Mm -hmm. So we could vibrate ourselves out in a hundred different ways to create ripples that will actually impact the flow around us. Well, I think that's, that's something that I've recognized the significance of in my own life and, and something that I'm, you know, consciously kind of rippling out myself is this idea of everyone's moving th through life, but a lot of the time we're not actually aware of these ripples that we create and mm -hmm. kind of bringing some attention there and, and some just being conscious around that and, and maybe making some decisions on what we want to radiate outwards, um, mm -hmm. you know, is is kind of exactly. what we leave behind from our experience, right? Exactly. So if you radiate a sense of peace, you are calming down the vibrations, which then allows another person to calm down. Because in a society where you're pushing 125% and you're always vibrating, right? Which is burning you out, literally burning you out. Mm. And someone comes to talk to me, and I'm just like super calm, and I get them to calm down. I'm calming the vibration down and they are going to work with me more because I'm helping them heal. Mm. I'm helping them stop tearing themselves apart. Mm. So that word vibration is multidimensional in nature because you can address it in many different ways. So we have sound vibrations, but that's only one medium. And depending on the medium of the vibration, we will experience it a little bit differently and we can use it a little differently. Mm. So yes, we can vibrate our stories. So for instance, if I present a story of calmness, that story of calmness is going to impact other people and the way they're holding their own story. And so what's the medium I'm propagating through? Through the story. Mm -hmm. Not through the spirit, not through the physical world, but through the story I'm holding. So the way you use vibration depends on the medium you're propagating it through. So the beautiful thing about vibration is as a word, as a teaching, is kaleidoscopic depending on which medium you're applying it to. Yeah, that's that's why I think it's beautiful to just get different people's perspectives on the word and how, like what they're looking at, like what lens they're kind of looking at it mm -hmm. through. And and when I ask you what comes up for you, and I think that that's um, a beautiful area that I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely listen back to this and, and watch this over and and even explore that a little bit further and in mm -hmm. in my yeah, because it's just really pulled me this idea of vibrations and I'm I'm really kind of captured by it and I'm following that thread now. So. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. But do you see what me. I'm trying to show you? I, I see. The vibration will depend on the medium. Mm. So a sound vibration is going to be very different than a story vibration, which is going to be very different than a, a vibration at a spiritual level. Mm. And there are multiple levels in each of those. Mm. So if you try, there are going to be analogies between the different types of vibrations, but there are also going to be uniqueness in each medium too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Just a little hint. Yeah, it really just gets my mind going in terms of the way we see things as humans and the way our senses feedback information to us and 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 how how we kind of pick up on those different mediums, I guess, um, mm -hmm. from from our level, and then you know how 
gets me kind of wondering and, and curious around how other beings maybe pick up different different vibrations in different ways and how we're quite unique mm-hmm. and we might be able to kind of work through that. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> thank you so much, Casey. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe share a little bit more about how people might be able to get in touch with you because you mentioned your work and I'm sure a lot of people listening would, you know, mm-hmm. would be interested in hearing more. Um, we have a website, personaldao.com. So www.personaltao.com. We have a community called Awakening Dragon and we have a patron site where you could join the community and be part of that community. I, we have videos, we have online retreats, mm. we have Dallas classes, shamanic classes, we have relationship classes. Um, so if you, I'm on Twitter as Personal Dow, I'm on Facebook as Personal Dow, uh, we're on Instagram as Personal Dow. <laughs> so if you just search Personal Dow on the web, you're going to find me. I'm the only Personal Dow out there. You're the only Personal Dow. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Thank you. I'm 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 feeling like we could probably wrap things up. I just I just also wanted to um, not only share my appreciation. But I I wanted to just follow one more thought with you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And that was kind Please of do. um, you know, your decision to move to the Big Island and to um, you mentioned it was a family island, and you mentioned that um, it was I don't know. You, we've kind of talked about these these different worlds. You know, this this world of society mm-hmm. and this world of kind of following your Tao. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wanted to kind of inquire a little around that and, and, um, just kind of hear, hear more about that just from my own personal curiosity, because yeah. Basically being a Taoist, being in my practice, it's really easy to see the flows happening. It's really easy to predict stuff. People always come to me because they know I'm very accurate when I say something's about to happen. They listen because I'm usually pretty close to it or always on the mark. Um, so one of the nice things about seeing flow is you can predict very predictable things like our culture and where it's going and what's happening. Now, I was trained as a scientist. I was trained as a physicist. And as a result, I worked in the ice, um, in back in college, there was an ice unit back then. And so all this stuff happening, I kind of knew about for a long time, actually. And so back in the nineties, I realized, oh, this is not going to end up in a pretty place. So I began to come together to teach kindness as the alternative to the problems that we're facing, mm-hmm. including in that facing the problems. I used to work in disease tracking. And so everyone in disease tracking knew a pandemic would happen. It was just a question of when, not if. And so basically back in the early 2000s, I realized oh, I don't want to be on the mainland anymore because the mega droughts, the fires, the pandemics, and yada, yada, yada. I didn't want to be part of that. I, when I help people move around the world, I call it, you pick your disaster. Every place has a problem. Mm. So Hawaii, we have raining parasites. We have volcanoes, as you witnessed when you were here. We have earthquakes. We have hurricanes. So those disasters I could deal with. But pandemic, oh, that's a disaster I didn't want to deal with, quite honestly. And so we literally moved here 20 years ago actually 15 years ago anyway, a while ago because we didn't want to be in the mainland when that hit when that crashed on the mainland mm-hmm. so we actually flowed around the momentum of what was happening that's why we're here and it's a beautiful spot it's very spiritual it's very 
this is an amazing spot to live. Mm. So I think for, for me personally, I'm just working on um, developing the the capacity to really trust and let go into that space to be able to flow with what's going on. If that makes sense. It does. And in pausing, the more you pause, the more you'll develop that sense. Mm. The more you'll trust to it. And over time, you learn to trust it because you learn to work with it and to build it up so you can learn what works and doesn't work. And you learn to weed out the false positives over time. Mm. Just so. a process, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank so. you so much for for doing this and, and for sharing your wisdom with everyone out there. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will, or at least one person, you know, even if at least one person gets this and, 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 and has a positive effect on their lives and allows them to kind of reevaluate their story and pause for a moment, mm -hmm. I think it will be a beautiful thing. So thanks. I'm always around and I'm really honored to have been invited and really honored to be part of this. It's a lot of joy just to connect out and just between us two, mm. it's worth it. Yeah. Just to get to know a new person and have that new friend be discovered in a simple conversation. It's beautiful. We call this talk story in Hawaii, where we get to know a person through talking story and sharing. It's a lot of fun, actually. Well, I'd love the opportunity, you know, down the track, even if it's three or six months away to, to reconnect and, and kind of deepen that story. Mm. For sure. Mm. And join in, if you want, join into the community, come into the dragons and come on in. Love mm. to have you there. Thank you so much, Casey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Much love and much love to everyone out there. Be well, brother. Okay. Mm -hmm. Take care, my friend. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Today Dreamer podcast. There's going to be plenty more episodes to come and I'm looking forward to the conversations to come and I'm looking forward to sharing them with you and I'd love to invite you, if you're getting something out of this show, I'd love to invite you to reach out, connect with me in some way as um, the people that I've done so have really kind of brightened up my day and uh, my experience and it, and it feels great to kind of form new connections and to engage together in this process. So yeah, if you're enjoying it, hit the subscribe button and um, connect with me in some way. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned because there's going to be plenty more to come. And yeah, that's all I can really say for this, this moment. Hopefully, you know, this has been helpful and, um, you know, you can maybe look a bit further into Taoism. I might be doing some more episodes on the topic and see how, you know, you can kind of get into the flow of your life and, and, uh, meet it with a sense of surrender and, and allowing things to take place and moving with the rhythm of your life rather than against it. Uh, but yeah, thanks again and catch you in the next episode.